and thank you so much. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Peyton, and the rest of you all. Hey, so glad to be back together today, and uh, as we continue in our Gospel Reflection series, I um, uh, wanted to make a couple announcements before I introduce this morning's speaker. Um, and just a, by way of reminder, if you weren't here yesterday, uh, one of the things we talked about in the very beginning is a kind of an announcement. We do have new chapel scanners that are on uh, each, of the, each of the doors. And there's actually two, not one, but two outside of door uh, one here. So still use the same proxy and uh, with, your, with your card, but just make sure you're going to hear a beep, something like that. I'm <clears throat> still waking up, but uh, if you, and it'll say accepted on the little readout, so make sure you hear and you, so look and listen, and uh, before you move forward, and just to make sure that yeah, you get uh, credit, but I think those are going to be, uh, and they are, uh, a great improvement. So the other thing, uh, we have two student uh, leader positions that applications went live over spring break for um, a spiritual development assistant. So as you know, we're moving from chapel credit to spiritual development credit beginning in the fall. So if you're interested in working with spiritual development credit events, uh, both uh, pertaining to chapel and things outside of chapel, um, those applications are on the rock. If you have any questions, you can uh, reach out to me. And uh, we're going to be wanting to gather those uh, applications over the next couple weeks and making our final selections about mid-April, so about a month from now. So if that interests you, uh, check it on the website and then let me know uh, if you have any questions. So. Uh, this morning, I'm uh, really delighted and honored to introduce our speaker, Nikosha Wynn. Um, some of you may recognize her um, as one of the, the worship leaders uh, that has been here uh, several times now uh, with the Blue Oaks Worship Band. Uh, but she's also a motivational speaker, singer, songwriter, and the founder of Wynn Worship Consulting. She has, has over 20 years of experience in various ministry leadership capacities, and she's currently serving as the worship pastor of Blue Oaks Covenant Church in the Twin Cities. Uh, she's also an alumnus from the uh, from UMD, University of Minnesota Duluth. She's obtained her Bachelor of Business Administration degree. She also obtained her Master's of Arts in Management from the College of St. Scholastica. Uh, Nikosha is married uh, to her wonderful husband, has three be beautiful children, and is really excited to be with us today in a different and a new capacity. So please give a warm Northwestern welcome to our sister, Nikosha Lee. And uh, would you place a handout over her as we pray for her, and a handout as we pray for ourselves as she, as she shares with us. Father, thank you so much for your extravagant love that was fully demonstrated and displayed in Jesus. And thank you for bringing us together for this opportunity, this time to encounter you together. We pray for our sister, Nikosha, as you fill her with your spirit, that as she speaks to us about the, the life of worship that Jesus not only models, but makes possible for us to live in. Um, may you fill us with your spirit that we would become more like you together. Thank you so much for this time, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Oh, come on. We can do better than that. Good morning. Awesome. Awesome. Listen, I'm not a morning person either, but you know, hey, y'all got to help me out. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Justin, for that gracious uh, introduction. Um, it's always a privilege and honor to be back at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. Um, like you said, I'm usually here singing, but today I am speaking. And so, um, and so yeah, I'm super excited, and thank you all for having me. Uh, this morning, we're going to explore the, how the life of worship that Jesus models sets the expectations as to how we should worship and how worship is important for our Christian journey. 
I'll tell you a little bit of a story about, about me. Uh, a long time ago, I found out, probably five years ago, when I found out um, I was going to college away from, away from home five years ago, five, five. There you go, all right. <laughs> so a long time ago, I found out just how important worship was um, going to uh, play in my life. Uh, I accepted Jesus Christ at a very young age. I was 10 when I accepted Jesus Christ. I went to church, I was involved in uh, choirs, I was at Sunday school, Bible study, et cetera, et cetera. And that really um, helped, that really started my Christian journey and would eventually lead me to Minnesota. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Woo Packer fan, woo! Yes, I got cheese heads in the audience, I love it. I feel like I'm at home, yes. Uh, sorry, Vikings. Um, <laughs> I attended the University of Minnesota Duluth. <laughs> Bulldogs, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, and I was a first-generation kid. You know, uh, I, was, I was going, I went away six hours away from my parents, and it was like, yes! Six hours away from your parents? I, was, I thought that was a really good idea. It was, it was great. Six hours? You guys have to understand, my parents, I'm a pastor's kid. PK kids is what they call them, right? My pastors were ministers, okay? It didn't, I mean, it was like no holds barred in my house. I mean, we, they said, you know what? If you go out on Saturday, you still have to get up for church on Sunday mornings. I was like, okay, I can do that. And it was tough. I ain't gonna lie. It was tough. <laughs> so I thought that, you know what? If I could get as far away from them as I could, it'd be great. It'd be like, I'm grown and can't nobody tell me what to do. Yes. So I got to University of Minnesota Duluth. I played basketball as well. And so I, um, you know, first year in school, playing basketball, traveling, trying to figure out how to study because nobody taught me how to study. And um, how I had practices in the morning, had practices in the afternoon. Um, and somewhere along the line in between, I was supposed to study and get good grades. I mean, I was supposed to, yeah. After a while, I was six hours away, I had no family, and times got lonely. I started to feel like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. Number one, because I was a first generation student. People behind me were, um, were basically looking at me to go ahead and finish school. It was a lot of pressure. Eventually, I would start feeling the weight of the pressure come down on me, it was like bricks on my shoulders, day in, day out. I'm away from home, no family, no nothing. No community, no support, no nothing of that nature, right? I found myself one night in my room at midnight and I was crying, I'm profusely crying. And for me, it was like, I was like, God, I don't know what to do here. I am lost without you. Just so happens that I was watching a gospel show. Funny story, I don't know how we got a gospel station in Duluth, Minnesota, but it was a gospel station in Duluth. And there was a young lady who was singing a song that said, faith that conquers. And the, the words were faith that conquers anything. And I began to just continue to cry. I began to bow down and lay prostrate on the floor. And it was after that night that I felt the bricks release from my body the next day. The Bible says that, that uh, a, a morning may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
For me, it was, I got joy. And it was because I was vulnerable at a vulnerable place in life. And I was able to just give and cast all my cares onto the Lord at that very moment. I had a choice. I could have just been a, a wreck or I could just cry out and ask God for help. So I say that story because I'm hoping that by the end of this message that you would be compelled to live a life of worship just as Jesus did. That you would be compelled to have a sense of urgency pertaining to worship. Amen? Amen. So in John chapter 4, Jesus was having a dialogue with a Samaritan woman regarding worship. It was very interesting because they were having a dialogue uh, over where worship was to, wherever they were going to physically have worship. There was a long-standing controversy between the Samaritans and the Jews as to where worship was to be physically taking place. So in John chapter 4, verse 19 through 24, it says this. The Samaritan woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on the mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. This, Jesus gives us the antidote for worship. In this very moment, he's saying that we must worship him in spirit and in truth. And really what he was saying was, he was really informing the Samaritan woman uh, that he was trying to tell her, listen, it's going to come a time to where it won't matter really where we worship. Because in order to get to the Father, we're going to have to worship God in spirit and in truth. Essentially, that's what he was saying. Worship requires a personal relationship with God. A personal, a personal relationship with God. He was basically telling her, listen, you have to basically have a heart transplant, if you will. <laughs> it's like having a heart transplant. Whenever, so the, for the body, the heart is the main central source of life in our body, outside of Jesus making our heartbeats right. If the heart is not right, the rest of the body will not function as it should. And so, if it continues, you're gonna have to have a heart transplant, get a new heart. And once you get a new heart, it continues to operate as it should. The same way with having a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus is our source of life. If we don't worship him, or if our heart is not ready to worship him, then we can't really worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship requires us to be vulnerable before God. Vulnerable. It requires us to just uh, lay down our lives for him, no matter what. In Matthew chapter four, it says that Jesus was led by the spirit 
into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And it says that the enemy, the devil, saw that he was weak. 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus was hungry. <laughs> 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. Listen, I was in college. And I was super saved. Super. I prayed. Bible study. I was involved. All of that. Our church did a church fast. And we, they said, do a Daniel's fast for seven days. And I was like, okay, yeah, all right. Seven days. Daniel's fast. I can do that. But then some of us thought it was a good idea, because we were super saved, to fast seven days only water. <laughs> Help me, God. <laughs> super saved. Uh -huh. So the first two days, we fasted water. And as you can probably imagine, we looked like we felt we looked like we was about to die. We felt like we was about to die and probably should have died. We fasted two more days. And on that fifth day, we said, Lord, forgive us, but we got to eat. <laughs> we got to eat, man. We got to eat. We got to eat. Lord, super safe. We ask for forgiveness later. Um, but Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And he was hungry. And the devil came to him and said, hey, I'll give you some bread. Ain't that how the devil works? He just comes in right when you're vulnerable and not really got your game, your, your Holy Spirit game face on. And he said, hey, Jesus, come get bread. And I was like, and Jesus was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And he used the word of God against the devil to, to, to um, Rebuke, to rebuke the devil in that moment in time. Then the devil goes, look at this holy city. You can have all of this in the world. And Jesus again rebuked the devil, used the word of God. Then another scenario says that he, that the devil is just like, hey, won't you jump? And then ask your Lord to save you, essentially is what he's talking about. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to do that. I know who God is. I don't have to prove to you anything. And then eventually he tells the devil to flee. The one thing that I like about this story is in this situation, Jesus was at his vulnerable state. He was at the lowest part of his life in this particular moment in time. And yet he fought through the hunger and he still declared that Jesus is Lord through it all. This is what I call a relentless worshiper. Jesus was a relentless worshiper. In other words, it's someone who displays a persistent expression of worship unto the Father no matter what the circumstance is. Or simply put, it's someone who continues to push through the pain to get to the promise. This is what worship is about. It's a lifestyle of worship. Your life should be a lifestyle of worship. It's about pushing through the pain to get to the promise and trusting God along the way. 
To worship God in, in spirit and in truth is to worship him in his totality. It's a sign of surrender. A sign of surrender. Now, I'll give an example of how becoming a relentless worshiper changed my life. But I'm gonna need like three people. Is that okay? Three, yep, one. Yep, go ahead. Three, yep. Yep, come on, come on up. It's easy, I promise it's easy. I promise you it's easy. Amen, give my hand, yep. You can have a seat, get the chair, yep, in the chair. Great. So three, these three seats represents various different circumstances that I've had to endure in my life. These three seats. So we'll say, right here, what's your name? Peyton. Peyton. Yeah. So Peyton is circumstance number one. Circumstance number one was this. Back in 2002, up until probably about 2008-ish or so, I lost plenty of people that I loved and adored. I lost a cousin who was like a brother to me, I lost a grandmother, I lost a grandfather, and I lost a mentor who instilled in me the, the worship, the life of worship that, that I now live. In 2004, my husband and I, we were getting married in July of 2004. Three months prior to that, my mentor and my husband's, one of my husband's best friends got into an automobile accident that took their lives. This was devastating. I didn't understand why, and at the time I was 25 years old. 25 years old, super excited about getting married, and then just like that, it was like snatching like my heart out of my body. And I was devastated. My mentor had a youth ministry out of this world. There was plenty of kids who were uh, uh, in church because of him. He lived a true lifestyle of worship. He didn't care if you were black, white, he didn't care if you were homeless or, uh, or rich. He just wanted you to worship God with all your heart. So we got married in July of 2004. But after that, I stopped singing. I stopped trying to learn how to play the piano. I was angry, I was bitter with God. I was angry and mad. I didn't understand, why would you do this? And I had two choices to make. I didn't sing for like three years and I love singing, y'all. But it took three, four years for me to get over the situation. I had two choices to make at that time after the, fourth, after the third year. I said, I can continue to not use the gift that God has given me and not be any earthly good to anybody, or I can be a relentless worshiper and use my gift to glorify God no matter what. I chose to worship the Lord. I chose to be a relentless worshiper. My worship fueled me past circumstance number one. Circumstance number two. Katie. Circumstance number two. Shortly after that, 
We got married. We had a third child in 2013. And he was supposed to be born in December of 2013, but he came in August of 2013. He was four months early. They told me he was one pound and 14 ounces. One pound and 14 ounces. Imagine a half a sheet of paper or put your palm out. You, you're holding him in, in your hand. For eight weeks straight, I didn't know whether my baby was going to live or die. For eight weeks straight, I had my heart ripped out my chest. Day in, day out, filled with anxiety. Filled with anxiety, hurt, pain, crying, etc. Surely, how could I get through this? I started listening to a song that's entitled That's Who You Are by Paul, Bishop Paul Morrison. Because I had to remind myself whose I was and why I, and why I was on this earth. And I was on placed on this earth to worship the Lord, our God, no matter what. I got mad and I started fighting in the spiritual realm for my baby. I pressed through the pain and the uncertainty of life and I was able to worship and press through the circumstance number two. Circumstance number three. William. William. Last year, my father became ill early January and went to go visit. And I knew that when I left, I was like, you know, I just don't know if I'm gonna see him again. Four months later, he got out of the hospital. He began to do very well. My mom surprised me uh, and the whole family in June of 2018. And they came and they came to my 11 year old's graduation, fifth grade graduation and my three of my five-year-old's graduation that day. My dad, my mom, dad's looking good. Everything is going well. A month later, boom, he's gone. I had to wrestle with that. Because in my mind, I was like, God, why didn't you take him when we knew what the outcome would be back then? But to just take him with no forewarning, Again, I had a choice, fight through or give up. I chose to push past the pain and to continue to worship him. Thank you. Thank you. In all of these circumstances, as hard as it was, I chose to worship the Lord. I chose to be a relentless worshiper. I chose God, despite the situations, despite everything I was going through. I didn't let my circumstance outrun my worship. I didn't let my circumstance outrun my worship. I didn't throw in the towel when I, when I really had reason to. That's very important. Worship is really important in your life. In college, don't take it for granted. College sets, your worship, what you do now, will set you up for how you interact with life later. 
What you do now will have an impact on how you respond to situations or circumstances later in life. Later in life. So the life of worship that Jesus models for us is one that is of a relentless worshiper, worshiping in spirit and in truth. Jesus has the ultimate sacrifice, and he gave his life to die for us so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. His worship was dedicated to others, selfless. In times of trouble, you need to be a relentless worshiper. Just as Jesus was persistent in upholding the will of his Father, so should we. In all the circumstances I mentioned above, I had to declare and encourage myself on a daily basis. It was hard. Jesus never said that this walk would be easy. It's hard work. But if you just take a breath in your circumstance and just remember the breath that you breathe right now, that, you're, that, that you hear in your body, that you feel in your body, it's because of Jesus. You're going to be okay. Stretch your faith. Exercise your faith in all situations. Pray consistently about everything. And finally, let it go. I don't care what circumstances you are going through or have been, etc., etc. Give it to God because you can't carry it. If you carry it, you're going to feel the bricks like I felt in college. The bricks are going to be there. And I don't want you to have that. Be a relentless worshiper. Have an unending praise and worship lifestyle. Do as Jesus did. It li it's literally a matter of life and death. So run with the sole purpose of living a life of worship that Jesus has modeled for us. And never let your circumstance outrun your worship because in the end, you will win. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, O oh God, just for being the awesome God that you are. For being a gracious God that has given us the gift of worship, O oh God, to be able to push through the pain in all circumstances. Father, I ask that the word and the message today, God, will resonate with each and every last one of us, O oh Lord. And God, as we leave this place, God, that we will remember to be relentless worshipers in all that we do. We will forever give God, forever give you all of the praise and all of the glory and all of the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be dismissed.